going to start here. And uh, this morning I wanted to speak to you on the subject of our relationship towards our government. And uh, you say, how does that go along for us? Uh, Romans chapter 13, let's, we'll take a glimpse of what's taken place here, but know that in Romans 13, uh, there was something that was going on. Paul uh, was a preacher of the gospel, but they didn't like Paul. They didn't like who he was. They didn't like where he came from. They didn't like what he was doing. And so he tells us some instruction on how we should treat the government. And uh, it's kind of odd kinda, uh, to me as I look at this. I say, well, this is an interesting thing that he would tell us how to treat the government when ultimately the government was treating him bad. Um, and the government was, was attacking him. And so he gives us some instructions on how we as Christians should treat our government regardless of whether the government is good or whether the government is bad. Uh, sometimes the government may be for us, sometimes the government may be against us. But regardless of who they are and regardless of what they've done, there is a proper way to treat the government. And there's a proper way that as a Christian we should treat the government. You say, why? Because listen, when God, God placed us here on this earth, he, he ordained a few things. One, he ordained the family. He ordained the family. Number two, he ordained the church. But do you know what else he ordained? The government. He gave us a government to rule. I mean, he, placed, he places things in place so that we will have a governing system. What would this world be without a government? Where would, where would we be without a government? We would still be in England, right? Or, or, or worse than that. We, you know, there's things that take place that put us where we are. We have a government. Whether you like the government or whether you agree with the government, we have a government that we have to, there's certain things that we ought to do. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, give us clear instructions on how we should treat those that are in the authority. Even though you may not agree with them, even though you may, may disagree with them, because ultimately, uh, as a leader and, and having a government full of officials, there's many people that you're not going to agree with. There's many government officials that you didn't vote for. There's many people that are in that position that you think, well, they, they would be better served if they were not even in that position. But guess what? They are. And so we get, and thankfully, we live in America where we get a voice. And we can vote. And we can have a decision. We can have uh, our hope, our chances of getting our, our choices, our voices being heard. How can we have our voices being heard? We vote. We have, we have a chance, but if you don't vote, you don't have a voice. But that's America. But there's other countries, they don't have a choice who's the king. They don't have a choice who's the leader. They don't have the choice who's the dictator. They don't have the choice who, who leads them. Hey, we do. And Paul, at this time, he didn't have a choice who was his government. He didn't have a choice that they, they were against him. He didn't have a choice that they, they weighed against him. They didn't have a choice that they were against what he believed in and what he practiced and what he preached. He didn't have a choice, but that was his government. And again, very, very interesting words that he gives us. Because as you look at the previous chapter, in chapter number 12, he tells us how to have relationships with other people and how to have relationships with our enemies. And then he jumps into chapter number 13, and he tells us how to have a relationship with our government. And then he finishes 8 through 14, how, to, how we can have relationships with our neighbors. 
but we're not going to get to the neighbor's part this week, this week but our government may not, may not always be right, but there is a proper way to treat it. So you've got your Bibles open to Romans chapter 13. Let's all stand if you can, and let's read in verse number 1. Let's read in verse number 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power, for there is no power but of God. The powers that, are, are, that be are ordained of God. <clears throat> you say, well, I don't like him. He's been ordained by God. Well, I don't like the government. It's been ordained by God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do, do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute the wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, uh, uh, attending continually uh, uh, upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all the dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. It gives up, that's pretty interesting that he would give us these instructions concerning our government. Well, he didn't know what kind of government we would have. Yes, he did. He knew who would be the leader. It's still our government. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for every individual that's here. I pray that you will encourage those that are here. I pray that you'll help them to allow this to be an encouragement to them. Lord, also, I pray that if there's one in here today that just doesn't know where to go, Lord, I pray that you'd help them give them away. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So let's jump into the sermon. Number one is every person, every person, how should you, our relationship toward the government, number one, is that we're subject to the government. Look in verse number one. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, this is simply talking about the government, okay? So what is a subject? The subject mean is under the authority of. And so every Christian is under the authority of the government, whether you agree or whether you don't agree. Look, if you go back into the scriptures, there's a man named Isaiah. He was a prophet of the Lord. And uh, Isaiah was, uh, it was in the last, it was in the year King Uzziah died, and he was a good king. And Isaiah went to the temple. He thought that, uh, that, that with the kid, good king dying, the government would, uh, would disintegrate. It would go away. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to take place. He was afraid that the government was going to, uh, without the good king being there, it was just all going to go. It was all going to go away. And look, and, and Isaiah goes to God and he begins to pray. And he begins to seek God's face. 
And when he sought God's face in the temple of God, guess what happened? Guess what he saw? He looked up into heaven and saw God sitting on the right hand of He saw God sitting on the throne of God. You say, what does that have to do with me? Because it doesn't matter who the king is, and it doesn't matter who the government is, God is still on the throne. And he's not going to change. He's not worried. He's not fretting who, what's going to happen next or who's going to take position next. God's not worried about that because he's still on the throne. And so what does that mean to me? That we are subject to the government, whether it's good or whether it's evil or whether it's bad or whether it's good. They, we're subject to the government. We shouldn't worry for, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen next? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen to our government? God's still right there where he was on the throne. And whether it's a good king or whether it's a bad king, God's still on the throne. You say, well, well, well uh, no, you mean I got to be subject to the government? Hey, let's get one better than that. The best example, the truest example of being subject to the government was Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? Look, Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived on this earth. And one day they decided that they were going to crucify Jesus. And so he made himself subject to who? The government. When he was standing before the king and he was standing before those that would crucify him, could he have not just said, forget y'all, I'm leaving? Could he have not have just walked out of there and he said, I'm controlling this event? No, he made himself subject to the government even though they were killing him. Even though they wanted to get rid of him, he made himself subject to it. Because he knew that he needed to set an example for all of us that whether, hey, we're, we have to be subject to the government. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Hey, Jesus said, what did Jesus say? No man takes my life. Who took Jesus Christ's life? Well, well they, those Jews crucified him. And the government nailed him to the cross. Jesus said, no man. I lay down my life. So Jesus being the truest example of someone who, was, who made himself a subject to the government. Paul was subject to the government. Paul submitted himself. Jesus submitted himself. He laid it down for a corrupt... Jesus Christ laid down his life for a corrupt government. Someone that wanted Christ dead, he laid it down for some... The evil government, one one of the wickedest governments, he laid it down for them because he was subject to them. Paul himself was writing during a time when the government would rather have him dead. Look in verse number 2. The Bible says, Whoso therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the power, rebellion, not making themselves subject to the power that God has ordained, not making himself subject to the power that God gave to the people. He says, if you resist the power, in verse number two, that you'll be uh, that they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Look, you resist the power that God has placed in front of you. Resist the power that God has put that you under. You yourself will receive damnation. 
John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. James, the brother of John, was slain with the sword of Herod. And Paul was put to death by Nero. And they all made themselves subject to the government. And here's, and here's, here's the greatest thing. Here's, here's something that we need to understand. Christianity never became a movement to improve the government. Never did. They never tried. <coughs> Why didn't Jesus infiltrate and take over and be king? Instead of having, having Herod and having, uh, having Pontius Pilate, why didn't, why didn't he get his 12 disciples involved with the government? Because that wasn't their place. You say, the Christianity never became a movement to improve the government, to help society, to clean up the town. That's not what, that's not what Christianity became. Christianity, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to every individual. Well, you see, America, we were founded on godly principles. There were men who wrote the, the Declaration of the Independence and helped us found our laws and all that that were, that were diocese. They didn't believe in God. They didn't understand who God was. But you know what? They respected God's word. And there were men that helped form our government. John Hancock being one of them, a, a Christian, signing the Declaration of Independence, but all of that, you say, what, what does that have to do with me? Is the result of someone being saved and someone being involved with government. That's great. But God did not save the church and, and die on the cross for the government. He died on the cross for every individual. And if you are a Christian and you're involved in government, you make your difference. You change the world. You stand on biblical principles and don't fade away. Whether the government is corrupt or those that are behind you are corrupt, stand true to be who you are. That's what we need. If we have Christians in politics, I, 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 there are Christians that are politics. And you know what they need to do? They need to stand true on the Bible. And stand true to what they believe. But that's not the infiltration that God wants for us. You say, what does that mean? God wants the gospel to change this world. You can get all upset. And you can watch all the Fox News that you want to. It won't change a thing. The gospel will. Well, that's what's wrong with them. They vote different than I do. No, what's wrong with them is they need the gospel. And what's wrong with this world is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the answer. Not a certain president. Not a certain government. It's Jesus. John the Baptist. Paul. John the brother of James. Were all men of God who died at the hands of the government. So it doesn't matter who the government is. You, me, we are subject to them. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What's the gospel? That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. 
Well, here comes the next candidate. He has, he has the hope. No, sir, he doesn't have the hope. The hope for America lies within the four walls of this church. You say, what is that? That's the gospel. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope. The only hope we have. Number one, we are subject. Someone once said, listen, America is in the hands of those who do not understand the spiritual heritage that we have. We are in trouble, not because of our government, but because of our churches. Not standing on the gospel and proclaiming it for those to hear. Number one, we need to be subject. Number two, we need to respect. Look in verse number three and verse number four. The Bible says, for rulers are not a, not a terror to good works, but to, do ev- but to the evil. Wilt thou be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt praise of the same. He is a minister of God for thee, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he that beareth not the sword in vain... For he is the minister of God, of God, a revenger to execute the wrath upon him that doeth good. Look, I'm not saying that we ought to just uh, take it and say, well, okay, whatever the government believes, that's what we're going to believe. And that's not what I'm talking about. Yes, I need to be subject to him. And yes, I need to have respect for him. But look, in God's, in Jesus' time and in the, the, the apostles' time, the government didn't uh, agree with them. But guess where they still stood? They still stood on biblical principles regardless of whether the government was for them or not. And yet they still had enough respect for what they were and who they were. And as a Christian, we need to have that same respect if there's evil rulers or if there's good rulers. The government is to maintain law and order. When it doesn't do that, it has failed. When the government has not done that, it it has failed. Christians ought to be more upset with the breakdown of government. We should respect the authorities in our lives. And who's that? Those that enforce the laws. Those that, hey, we, should, we ought to respect the police. Look, they're not pigs. They're not popos. They're not, they, they, they have, a, have a position of respect. Look, there may be policemen who make mistakes and, and ultimately do something damning uh, to themselves or, or to another individual. But ultimately, the police are there to protect us. They're to protect and serve us. You say, why are you talking about that? Because we need to have respect. One thing that's missing in America today, one thing that's missing in our churches today, one thing that's missing in our Christians today is respect for other individuals. We need to respect the authority. Well, I don't agree with it. It doesn't say that you had to agree with the government. We need to respect it. Respect those. Respect and subject number three. Why? Why? Why should we do that? Look in verse, thir- verse number 5. What does he say? Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath. He said, you need to be subject because if you don't, you're going to have eternal damnation. Or you're going to have a damnation. But not only that, but then he says, but also for what? Conscience sake. Right here. You need to do right. And you need to respect, and we need to have, we need to be subject to the authority because of our conscience. Moral sense. 
an inner feeling because it is right to do. Sometimes you do it because it's right to do. Why don't you speed? Because the sign tells me not to. Why do I put a seatbelt on when I drive down the road? Because the sign tells me I need to. But in all reality, those laws that are in place are for your safety. What would happen if we didn't have a speed limit? And what would happen if no one ever wore a seatbelt? What would happen if those laws weren't in place to help protect us? Well, they're trying to hurt me. No, they're trying to protect you. Why? For conscience sake. I have to be okay with what I'm doing with while I'm doing it. You ought not take pride in breaking the law. Did you see what I just did? Why? It ought to hurt you inside, man. I have broke the law. <clears throat> How do you feel when you get stopped? I wasn't speeding. I didn't do that. What are you talking about? Now, immediately, my conscience is seared. Oh, what did I do? I begin to panic and, and sweat and like, oh, no, what did I do? What ticket am I going to How much am I going to have to pay? The conscience is seared immediately. When you break God's law, you shouldn't have to have a policeman running around and saying, eh! Your conscience ought to be seared immediately when you do something that you ought not to do. Oh, I should not have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have been there. Ah, I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have been with him. I shouldn't have done that. The conscience ought to be seared. But we are, we are many times in our place, in our life, yeah, whatever. You've done it so much, you've done wrong so much that it doesn't bother you anymore. See, the first time you did it, it hurt your feelings. It made you sweat. It made you, oh no, didn't even see me. All right, got away with it. The next time, oh, anybody see me? All right, good. Ten times down the road, all right, let's go. You don't even care anymore. Because your conscience is here. He said, why do you, why do you need to respect why do you need to make yourself subject to? Because your conscience. But hey, who ultimately am I making myself subject to? I'm not, yeah, I'm making myself subject to the government, but ultimately, why am I making myself subject to the government? Because the guy that sits on the throne. And he's not, hey, I'm sorry. He's not just some guy sitting on the throne. He is God. My conscience ought to be seared every single time I cuss. Every, every, every single time I do something I ought not to do. Look, I had someone cuss in front of me. We were talking about this this morning, but I had someone cuss in front of me one time. And they said, sorry, excuse my French. I said, well, that didn't sound like French to me. I completely understood what you said. I had people say, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. I'm not the one you need to be apologizing to. Go in places you ought not to go. Hey, Christian. Is your conscience seared? That doesn't even bother you anymore? I hope not. I hope it still bothers you when you do wrong. Man, I ought not do that. Your conscience. Your subject. Respect your conscience. And lastly, I'm done. I'm going to shut up and we'll go home. 
You guys about ready for that, huh? No amens. Okay, well, I'll keep going. Number four, render. Render. Render, verse number six. For, for, for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they that are God's ministers attending continually upon, every, uh, upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all the dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Render. Render. Ultimately, first of all, let's, let's talk about what this text is talking about. Verse number six, he says, pay ye tribute also. I don't know if you remember right, but in Matthew chapter number 22 and verse number 21, Jesus was talking. Jesus said, they say unto him, Caesar's, then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. You know what you need to render? Like it or lump it. Taxes. Is that what that says? That's exactly what that says. Pay you tribute. Well, I don't like it. Move to some place where the taxes are cheaper then. <laughs> I don't agree with you. I don't think I should. I know men of God who say they're men of God. They don't pay taxes. I ain't paying the government a dime. Well, that's your fault when you get locked up, buddy. <laughs> taxes. Pay to tribute. Pay to Caesar. Render to Caesar's what Caesar's. God, Jesus Christ said, hey, if you owe taxes, pay your taxes. But not only this, but look at verse number 7. What else does he say? He said, render therefore to all their due. Tribute to whom? Tribute. There are people who you need to pay tribute to. There are people, he says, custom to whom custom. There are people who have customs that you need to honor. There are people that it says fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. You know there's positions that deserve honor? You say, I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you honor those that need to be honored? Do you fear? And the fear is more of like a respect. We need to respect each and every one of us. Look. You will never, you will, you will have trouble getting people to respect you if you don't respect others. Amen. Well, I deserve respect. Well, you need to give respect. A lot of times we need to give respect before we'll get respect. Amen. Respect. Fear. Honor to whom honor. Ultimately, I'm, I'm done. Ultimately, we need to render to what God's is. The Bible says that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which are God's. Who does your body need to honor? Who does your life need to bring respect to? Who does your, your body need to honor to whom honor is due? That's Jesus Christ. You're living your life, man, 
never even consult God about a thing. You ought to get yourself right because that's his body. What are you doing with his body? What am I doing with God's body? What are you doing? Respect? Subject? For conscience sake? And render to God which are God. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. How to treat your government. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be together this morning.